Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. Like George and I do every Monday, we go through and recap the games from this past weekend in the NFL. Hope you enjoy this one. Thank you for listening. Colts ending the Pats winning streak in its tracks. Colts coming out and gave the Pats a little bit of piece of their own medicine, a little taste of their own medicine there, ran the ball down their throats with Jonathan Taylor, took away what the Pats wanted to do the most. When you think of Bill Belichick, what he likes to do with your team is take out what you do best. And instead, it was the Colts doing that there. They took away the run game. I believe only 36 yards for Ramondre Stevenson, who's their leading rusher in the game. He only had 10 carries. They put it all on Mac Jones' shoulders. And look, I'm not going to indict Mac on it, but he wasn't able to get it done. And that's, you know, I don't think really any other rookie could get it done on with their on their back because nobody's really shown it. But this was the main criticism of this team that we were coming to this that we were talking about as they were racking up these wins is can this team come back down double digits and they weren't able to. Yeah, I remember I sent you a text, I think, after the pump block touchdown. I was like, you know, this is our chance to see if it could happen for Mac. Um, and I think we kind of had a feeling that probably not, but um, he hadn't been put in a situation there for a while. So like, you didn't know for sure. Um, yeah. And it basically confirmed that um, at least for the first three quarters where they scored zero points, you know, they couldn't get much going. Yeah. I this was, think- a, they, this was, sorry. This is the first time they were down more than one possession since week three versus the saints. Just wow. to put that in perspective. And they lost that game too. Yeah, they've been losing these games closely. I remember when I was looking at it when we were talking about Pat's Bills that they lost, you know, Dolphins was by one, Bucks was by two, Cowboys was a touchdown, but it was an OT. Um, so, yeah, they definitely had a couple close losses. You know, even in this game, they managed to come back. Uh, I feel like we've seen when two good teams play each other, a lot of times like the good team that's in the lead can't put away the other good team. Like, you know, like the Pats really should have never been back in this game. The Bills should have never been back in that game against Tampa. You know, I'm sure there are a few more examples as well. But so sometimes I feel like these good teams just can't put it out of reach. Um, like, you know, the, when the Ravens came back and beat the Colts earlier in the season. So I think that's something that's just interesting. You know, the game's long enough that you got to play a full 60. You can't just show up for a half. And you also, you see in their coverages, they don't want to get beat deep. They give them some short passes and they're able to, you know, kind of move the ball down the field and able to put up some points. That, and it starts to kind of snowball where they start to get into a rhythm. And then to turn back on the switch is really hard to see. And that's, I think, right. what you're seeing, whether it is like the Bills against the Bucks or the Pats versus the Colts in this case. So now you look at as the Pats only a half game lead over the Bills right now for the AFC, for the AFC East with one more matchup between the two uh, this season. I believe they're meeting this next week. Why is my thing – why is my standings not loading on my phone? This, Okay. Um, I believe they're meeting up next week, and that will end up deciding it. This was this was one where I, I just feel like it, kind of, it shows a lot about what the Pats are. I think maybe more so than what the Colts are, because when you think about the Pats, this is why I've been skeptical about putting them over the Bills or the Chiefs at the same time, as putting them as that number one team in the AFC, not just because of like Mack and he's a rookie quarterback, but because this offense is very limited in what they can do down the field when it comes to coming down, coming back down from these double-digit deficits and when I look at the other teams, when I look at the Bills, when I look at the Chiefs, while they haven't been the most impressive over the entire season, I know when push comes to shove and when they get into these situations that you you might find yourselves in in the playoffs, I know they're tested. I know that they can come back down those those double digits, those big deficits, as well as play with the lead, as well as come back or make that drive in the last two minutes or whenever you need it. And with the Patriots, 
that's the question mark you have there. And that's why I've been skeptical and hesitant to put them as the number one team in the AFC. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, it's totally fair. Okay. Let's get over to the Sunday slate of games, Panthers, Bills, the other AFC team, uh, the Bills taking care of business, but this wasn't that impressive. I thought of a game for the Bills, like they covered the spread, good teams win, great teams cover, but it still wasn't just that thing. I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't feel right with this team. I mean, Josh Allen completes 55% of his passes. They finally started to get the run game going in this one with Devin Singletary, but it's still just not something that I look at and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, I'm starting to feel they're starting to get into the rhythm or whatever. It was similar to how I felt about the chiefs against the Raiders last week. Yeah. I think, um, I think when it was revealed that the Panthers didn't have a kicker, um, it sort of, you know, made things difficult, right. You know, they had to go for a, go for it on like fourth and seven in, in, in Bill's territory. And they, you know, they had that one fourth down attempt like later in the game. Um, I don't know. This game was honestly a little bit closer than you'd think, but at the same time, uh, I guess the bills were never really in trouble. And I also think, you know, the bills have the record they have from beating up on crappy teams. It still doesn't really tell me much. No, I completely agree. Uh, correction to what I said earlier, they're not a half game back of New England. They're a full game back, but obviously it'll come down to what happens when they meet up this week. Yeah. But yeah, it goes along like they, that's what they've been doing. That's where it's not that impressive. They beat up on, you know, a bunch of bad teams when they go up against the good teams outside of the Chiefs. They haven't really been able to hold their own. Like you were talking about earlier with the Bucks. that game was the Bucks were controlling. They're up 24 to three, I believe. And kind of took their foot off the gas, allowed for the Bills to get back into that. And then they were able to come through at the end of it. But for this team, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same feel as it did last year. Like offensively, defensively. Dude, honestly, I think the Bills kind of like, I don't want to say stat pad, but I'm thinking about what they did at the end of this game and in that Dolphins game. And they managed to cover on both of those plays. Like, like I feel like not that many teams would go for that fourth and two. I was really surprised. Yeah, on their like 15 or 17, or the opponent's 15 or 17. Something like that. Yeah, it was weird, you know, but I I get it in the sense like we could just end it and then not have to like stress about it. But yeah, like, you know, they get those sort of late touchdowns. That's why I said it was a little closer than it looks. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought if the Panthers had a kicker, this really could have been a game. And again, I don't know, like the Panthers are not a playoff team. They're absolutely terrible. And and the Bills are just, um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like they, it's hard to be too optimistic after this win. Massive game against New England, a true must win. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It's going to be the game of the week, I'm sure. Because, well, I mean, it is very much a must win because if they lose, they might be out of the playoff picture of the, if Baltimore ends up winning or if no, that, winning, exactly. Yo, like it's not just about, it's not just about winning the division, man, with how deep this conference is. Like, like, you know, they, there's like at least one playoff game every week, like even Denver since I know that game was not great, but it was like a playoff game feel because, if either team lost, the road there just got a lot, a lot tougher. And that's what happened to Denver. Exactly. Okay. The big shocker of the weekend, the Detroit Lions getting their second win of the season against the Arizona Cardinals, the then number one seed in the, in the NFC, I believe. Um, while the offense had its struggles for the Cardinals, I thought this was a very telling that the defense wasn't able to stop the Detroit Lions at all. I mean, Craig Reynolds rushed for 112 yards. Jared Goff, three touchdowns, completing 80% of his passes to Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, it's yeah. just this team, I'm a little worried if I'm them because of what you saw from defensively. Obviously, I had mentioned this before. I thought the JJ Watt injury and him being out would really impact how they were defending the run. And in this game, you saw it. 
And then offensively, we now know that DeAndre Hopkins will be out until at least the NFC Championship game, if they even make it there. And now you got to look at this. We spoke about this, this receiving core. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. These are all really good, like, AJ Green's a good number two. Christian Kirk's a good number three. Ronald yeah, well, you have to slot all those guys up one. I, I fully agree. Exactly, and you saw it in this one. Yeah, you know, and but I honestly think, and the more you talk about it, the more I'm kind of convinced to go to your side, but I was about ready to say, I'm going to give the cards a pass for this week and just sort of say it happens. You know, the Lions are a feisty team. They've caught a lot of teams. The difference is most of them will at least get back in the picture a little bit, which didn't happen here. But I guess when you think about, the, the two key injuries, right, Hopkins and Watt, I know Watt was a long time ago, but still. And then, like, also the fact that they didn't look amazing down the stretch against uh, the Rams on Monday, like this past Monday. It, you, you bring a valid point. And now, like, now it looks like getting the bye will be really difficult. Now D-Hop's going to be out for a while. Maybe it is sort of a, a season falling apart late. S- similar to last year for the Cardinals, difference is they're still going to be in the playoffs this time. The weird thing is that, you know, you want to give them the pass because you saw them win without Kyler Murray, but then it's also about, I don't know. It's just this offense feels so different dynamic wise on offense. Like I was watching a lot of that game. I was in the fantasy playoffs. I have Kyler Murray on my team. And it's just like, you're trying to think about how they're going to win against good defenses when they're not even able to win against good, bad defenses like the, the the Detroit Lions. And but there was yeah, but there was still some classic Cardinal stuff. Like how about that one third and twenty, um, you know, where he was like running in circles like behind around defensive linemen in the backfield and like chucked it up for the first down. Like that's the type of Cardinals that we see every week. Every week I bet against them. It's another crazy third and fifteen, third and twenty conversion. Yeah. Um, so I, I think. I think if they end up like if they finish 11 and six, they're 10 and four now. If they finish 11 and six and lose in the first round, I'm going to be like, wow, you were right all along. But I, I, I'm not ready to say that that's actually going to happen yet. I, I do think like they can get it together. I think, um, I don't know, I just think they got punched in the mouth here, weren't really able to respond and just kind of a, a weird game against the feisty team. So for you, you brought up a couple of weeks ago how the tiers of the NFC, how you'd have then the Cardinals, the Packers, and the Bucks, And then you'd have the Dallas Cowboys and the Rams. Right now, I think it is Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, and then the Cardinals. I think how the teams are stacked up right now, I think that's how it goes because I think this DeAndre Hopkins injury really impacts how dynamic this offense is. And when you look at Kyler Murray, didn't run that much. He seems a little bit hampered, a little bit hesitant right now to use his legs I'm worried a little bit if we'll see that more so in the playoffs or if he's just saving himself there. So who are you more, who are you more confident in the Cardinals or the 49ers right now? That's really tough. That's really tough. The 49ers look great. That's really tough. The one thing that just keeps me from picking the Niners there is because of their secondary. And that's something I can't get past because you can pass on this team. But the way that they are on offense, the way that Kittle's looking right now, especially where he seems to be overtaking as the guy that's saying, like, I'm the best tight end in football right now. And then you've got, still got the two guys. you still got Debo Samuel, still got Brandon Ayuk. And Jimmy's operating this offense at a pretty high level. And then you see this defensive line get after Matt Ryan like they did this past Sunday or yesterday. And it feels like they're trending upwards. The cards are trending downwards. And this, this season, this whole sport, NFL, is – about peaking at the right time. We've seen this think, time and time again. 
I think just like the general takeaway that I had, you know, cause you bring up the tier thing. I think no matter how you shape that top five, I actually think it should be a top six with San Francisco and maybe you put them at the bottom of it, but I do think that they've separated themselves from the, you know, the wild card teams, right? The Vikings, the Eagles, the football team, the saints Falcons. I think the 49ers are like clearly better than all those teams and enough so that you can throw them up there with, it's not like any of these NFC teams are absolutely thriving. Honestly, like we're, you, you kept the bucks in the first tier and we'll talk about their game later. I thought the Packers, you know, honestly, I came away from that game super impressed with the Ravens, and we'll get to that one later. None of these NFC teams are absolutely killing it. So I think the 49ers belong in that top six at this point. I think they're right there. I think they they wouldn't be on the same tier as like the car. I would have them below the Cardinals. I think still like that goes against, I guess, a little bit of what I was just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I guess the difference for me is that I'd rather have like Kyler Murray versus Jimmy G. If I wanted to boil it down to there. I'm still grinding with Kyler Murray a hundred times out of a hundred. And the fact that it's that disp- that much of a disparity, I think I'd still lend myself to, to going. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you think about so, it, he's clear, like Jimmy G would clearly be the worst quarterback in that group of six. If it were to be a group of six, it's a pretty elite group, right? Mm-hmm. Kyler Rogers, Brady Stafford and uh, yeah. Dak, like great group right there. They're all top 10 guys. Mm-hmm. And that's what it boils down to in the NFL is do you have a top 10 to fit? Like you got to have that upper echelon, that guy that's in the top half of the, uh, yeah, but, but, of the NFL. But honestly, man, but honestly, but think about the Patriots and Titans, to, hypothetically healthy Titans. Like it's not, it's, this isn't the NBA where if you don't have LeBron, Steph, Durant, you're not winning the title. That's just not necessarily true. So like a Jimmy G team could win it all. Joe Flacco teams have won it all. Foles, Eli Manning, you know, all these guys who aren't like that MVP level player, um so well that's why i'm saying like he has to be an upper hat like at least an above average quarterback he doesn't need to be the top five top seven guy and those guys are also anomaly like those are guys that like they win one every like five or six years i well i agree but okay but in the nba it never happens oh yeah i'm not saying the nfl is like the nba where you need where you need rogers where you need brady where you need mahomes i just think I'd put my I'm backing those guys. I'll put because Dude, when you I look at it, happens, more likely more than not, those guys think, are winning. Honestly, what? I think it happens a little more often than you think. Like, like think about it. Foles, Manning in that in that Denver year was terrible. Honestly, um, like the, both Eli's. I mean, he was at least league average, if not above average, but still like Flacco. And again, like these guys are are you know league average to above average. But I'm just saying, like Mac Jones for the Patriots this year, Tannehill who I think is like average. I don't think he's amazing. Um, there are teams in the AFC that could do it. And Jimmy G, if you want to include him too, but in the NFC, it seems like it's all these, you know, top five, top seven guys. I mean, you could say Tannehill, but if you look at the stats over the past like two years before he got, before he lost all of his weapons, I mean, this is a guy that was putting on Mahomes like numbers. He might, he's not up there with him, but that means he's still at least above average. I agree. It's not like any of these guys, but so is Jimmy G. I think Jimmy yeah. G is probably average to above average. Yeah, I, I am. I, we have to go through this one of these days. We have to we have to do a, a top 100%. quarterbacks because I, I think you brought this up before. It's like, oh, you like to say like this guy's top 10, like whatever. And then when you boil it down, it's like, oh, do let's do it Thursday. Well, well, yeah, we'll talk about it after just to see how we're going to go about Thursday. But we'll I look forward to that on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> OK, Jets, Dolphins. Dolphins come behind win, continue their massive winning streak. Encouraging game for the Jets, I still think, despite the loss. I thought that they they still played a good game. They still played 
Like they had the lead going into, I believe, the second half and as well as the third quarter. I could be wrong on that. Um, I didn't think it wasn't a good game from Tua in this one. I thought that pick six was just absolutely atrocious that he threw. And I just come away thinking, you know, Dolphins find a way to turn one of these games out. And for the Jets, it's, it's, it's an encouraging sign, despite the fact that they ended up losing. Like if I'm a Jets fan, this was probably best case scenario. If you're thinking about long-term for this team that we lose, we get, we're still in the top three or four for the draft position. And then we look like we're a team that can actually, you know, come close to the Dolphins. And that's the first step when it comes to competing in the AFC East. Yep. So the Titans or sorry. So the Dolphins rather just got through a pretty easy stretch of their schedule. They've, they've won six games in a row against one playoff team, the Ravens. Um, and now they play at Saints, at Titans, home versus Patriots. So, you know, they're back to seven and seven now. You still, like, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. I know you took last week, now I think about it, you took yeah. the, you took them to make the playoffs, like plus 750 thing. I just think the schedule gets so tough now. Um, the only thing on the field, I, Tua had that one play where he, like, trucked the guy. I liked yeah. that. I didn't know that he had the, I didn't know that he was like that type of guy that could do that. I expected him to slide. I was like waiting for it. And I was like happy when he, you know, Just went through the guy. If I was like, if I was a teammate of his, I'd love to see that. Cause well, you saw I, Drew Smythe and, uh, and, and an offensive lineman came up and, uh, and started to pump him up over that. Oh, after, really? yeah, I didn't see that, but exa- <laughs> my thoughts, exactly. That's what I would have been doing if I was his teammate. Like, uh, again, I, I didn't know he was that type of guy. Okay. So for me, when I look at the three game stretch, I see them going two and one personally. Wow. I, I don't think either I don't think any of these teams are really something that I'm that I'm going and thinking like they're definitely like like when I look at the Saints, I think the Saints on a little bit of a short week, also off an emotional win where their offense continues to be pretty bad. And this is a Miami Dolphins defense that's been really good. I mean, they didn't give up 24 points, they gave up 17 points. So you're saying over the six game stretch, they have allowed more than 10 points twice, and that was 17 two times. Both times to the Jets, actually, which is uh, pretty funny. But what, where am I get, what am I getting from this Taysom Hill offense that put up nine points? I will say on the other side of it, how are the Dolphins putting up points? But I still yeah, would just – That's what I was going to say. I mean, like, I agree that, that there's a case to be made that all three of these teams are, like, weak or vulnerable. But, like, you're also the Dolphins who, again, like, you have to look at these wins that they had. You can't just say they've won six in a row because it was against, like, the Panthers and the Jets twice. It – it is about as bad as it gets like the schedule it's so so bad other than catching the ravens off guard on that thursday night mm-hmm. um so i, I think and that was, a, think, that was a defensive win that they had. i honestly think like the saint like the saints even with Taysom hill the team that scored nine points last night i think that's i think that's like a pick them especially with new orleans being at home honestly if you told me they were favored by a point or two i wouldn't even be shocked i'm not saying it's a definitive win this isn't them going to play against the texans but or that's the, the easiest game of the three by far I mean, when you look at it, when you look at the Titans now without Julio, no Derrick Henry, AJ Brown should be back, but he'll probably be limited in that one. And honestly, it's, I'd expect two I weeks from, it's two weeks from now. Yeah, but that, he comes off IR. I, I think they're wait, they're waiting on him to come off of IR. And then you look at it, and I, I don't see I, I don't see that as one where I wouldn't I I would expect the Dolphins to win that game. And then of the other two, I think they at least split one between the Pats and the um. And the and the Saints, I I personally just think so. I think they're rolling right now. I think this defense is playing really well, and I don't think any of these other teams. I mean, I'll I'll put the Pats. Pats are probably trend, are still trending upwards, but the other two teams, I wouldn't put in that category where the where I think the better days are ahead of them for this season. Yeah, but are 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 the Dolphins' defense playing well? 
Yeah. Or did they happen to play the Jets, Giants, Panthers, Ravens, and Texans, and then Jets again? Like, I, I think that's I think that's all valid. But I also think when you think about the landscape of the the last three teams that are playing, what do what offense is putting up more points or looking better than those other three teams? Yeah, I, I guess the thing is, neither of us are even really arguing for our side. We're just arguing against like the opposition. Exactly. You know okay. I mean? Yeah. We don't really we don't really love any of these teams. I guess. No. No. I mean, yeah, I like the Pats. But again, mm-hmm. I, I went through like my hesitation with them, and I don't think they're that far off of what. Well, they, of what they're the, the two teams that I said before don't have the elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't discriminate against these teams with top fifteen guys rather than top seven. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Cowboys Giants. Uh, not much to say about this one. Cowboys take care of business again. One thing I will say it was good to see Jake Fromm out there, which is <laughs> was something I wasn't expecting to say come week uh, come week fifteen. Um, there was no reason Glennon should have been out there. Give from all, give me all the Jake from I could ever want. <laughs> At least he had some juice to this. It's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm going to take it away from the field because it's crazy to me that John Mara fires Jerry Reese, the GM that built the team to go to two Super Bowls during the season. And now the, all these reports are out that he's going to wait for Dave Gettleman after the season, the guy that's accomplished nothing in his time, actually nothing like negative things actually, because he's left this team in probably a worse situation when it comes to just the salary caps perspective and all the wasted draft capital than when he came into this. So it was just, all of this is just so ridiculous. And when I see this team, I believe they put up, they put up two touchdowns on offense 10 times in the past 30 games. And then, and then dude, it's funny. Cause it's like, they do something every week, right? They retire another jersey. I know that it was like the whole like free drink thing for season ticket holders this season. Yeah. Like they, they're just trying to cover it up, you know, like cover up, cover something up with just some glitter or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I was texting bad. a friend that's uh, one of my, one of my very good friends. That's a season ticket holder. I'm like, I hope you, your dad and your little cousin are enjoying sharing the one medium soda yeah. that you got for like 50, <laughs> for like his dad and his grandpa having season tickets for like 25, 30 years. I hope you enjoyed that one medium soda. Yeah, seriously. It's no, ridiculous. It's crazy. ridiculous. You know, about the Cowboys, um, I think they get a lot of credit for being a defense that forces turnovers, including from me. I have, like, explicitly said I like them because they force turnovers. But, like, I watched them get four turnovers against, you know, the Saints that first week Taysom started or the football team last week or the Giants. And I don't think, like, wow, what an elite defense. I think, like, wow, like you're playing just an all-time bad offense, or at least that's what it seems like. But maybe, you know, if you keep forcing turnovers after a while, it stops becoming a fluke. But I do feel like these past couple of weeks are just, you know, they're being gifted these turnovers. But then again, you know, they capitalize. So maybe it is some credit to them. The Diggs interception that he had in the end zone uh, yes. from Mike Lennon, like that was just right. That was right to him. Like it was so Dude, easy. And the other one. And, so and what about the one? What about the other pick in, in like midfield? It was like every time Glennon threw a 50-50 ball. Oh, that, like, yeah. They call it a 50-50 ball, but how is it always right to the Dallas guy every single I time? I don't know. It, it was so atrocious. And that's where, that was where I was like, why is this guy on the field? Like, what does this guy provide to us other than just nothing? Just nothing. Like, at least with Jake Fromm. Like, look, I'm not expecting Jake Fromm to be, like, anything. But, like, we know what uh, my We needed is. that back door from Fromm. We needed that back door from Fromm. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been that nice. I, I didn't end up taking the Giants, but I know for you, you took them on the pod. It would have been It would have been nice. Uh, so just to circle back to what we were talking about with the Dolphins, just to give you, uh, you the Saints line is Saints minus three. So it's pretty much yeah, even I, on I feel, a neutral I feel film. a little bit vindicated after hearing that. I, I will be taking the Dolphins. Maybe not on the pod, but for myself, I probably will be. Okay. Oh, uh, Ned, next game. 
Titans Steelers. I mean, we talked about this all like we talked about this and we knew that, you know, it was a good spot for the Steelers. You were on that. Um, and uh, it started bleak. But in typical Steelers fashion, they eventually start putting it together. You know, as I said before, it's like within the same game with these Steelers. They can look terrible for a half and look amazing for a half. So it was more of that. Honestly, when I when we were talking about Titans-Jags last week, I was like, yeah, they scored 20 points. But it was against the Jags. And, like, this offense is bad. I mean, Tannehill, like, yeah, to what you said earlier, to your defense, like, he did have great stats. So he's, he is out there playing with nobodies right now. So it's a little unfair to criticize him too much. I mean – if you were a true top five guy, you'd like to see a little bit more, regardless of what the numbers say. I mean, we're, we're, we both agree Kirk is in top 10. His numbers are amazing this year, so it can't all be numbers. But, you know, it, it's it's pretty bad out there for the Titans offense. You look at the number one receiver, a guy had seven targets, four catches, 32 yards. Nick West, Nick Westbrook-Akina. Yeah. And we talk about Brady putting up zero points, and that's, you know, he didn't like, – he at least has Gronk out there, but he lost Evans and Godwin. I'll give them the pass there, and that's why I won't knock yeah, but the Bucs down a tier. But, but Carson had a year once, Wentz, yes. for the Eagles, where he was doing it with, like, legit nobody. So I do think if you're that guy, like, you got to put up the numbers, period. And that's why, for me, like, when I make the list, maybe I'll come back on this, but I, I don't feel that Tannehill is a top-ten guy. But that's without, again, like picturing the list or having it in front of me. Um, no, when I think about it, because I've thought about top 10, I haven't thought like further than that. Tannehill's not in that, in like, that list for me. Wentz in that season where they lost to the Seahawks in the playoffs with the clowny hit and like Carson getting hurt. Was that um, when he was 27 and 7, I think? Yeah, exactly. That was a great season. He was playing with absolute nobodies. Um, and so, again, like I'd kind of like, and it's not like he had a running back either, you know, so you can't just say, oh, he also doesn't have Henry. I know. But, um, like, yeah, I think Tannehill could show a little bit more if he was that guy. I, I could see that. This was one where, like you alluded to earlier, it was a great spot for the for the Steelers. I was like, in, after the first half when they're down 10-0, or 13-3, I should say, yeah. I was like, how? how? How is this offense still struggling again? And it's, you know, I have to give some props to the Titans defense because I talked down about this defense the beginning of the year. I haven't given them that type of uh, yeah, we respect. Yeah, we ripped them in the preseason. Exactly. Solid. Yeah, haven't, ex- haven't seen really anything from them to knock them down. I mean, when I look at their, like, the points they've given up outside of the Patriots game, they've given up 22 or less to, te- to teams over the past five weeks. I, when your offense isn't giving you anything and they're constantly getting off the field, the fact that they can step up and look, it's not the best offenses, but it's still, you got to show something. And even when you were talking about when they had that really, or even when they had that really tough stretch against the chiefs against Buffalo, like they were still showing up, they were still putting together some solid stretches. And I think that's something that if you're a Titans fan, you can at least look forward to when you get these guys back healthy in AJ Brown and Derrick Henry you can build on that because this defense has stayed pretty strong throughout the entire season. One thing that was interesting was Julio Jones leaving and whether or not he'll actually be shut down, which is, you know, it's been a trying couple of years for this guy. Like he was, he is the guy that when you think about for our lifetime, he's like the receiver. I personally think about as the most dominant, like Calvin Johnson was amazing, but like over the the long haul, like Calvin Johnson was like six, seven years. Like this is like a guy that's for a decade. For over a decade has been like that guy has been a top five wide receiver and the fact is this might be the last that we see of him I, no i, I wouldn't go that far because i feel that unless it's like a calvin situation these guys stick around like i remember ocho cinco was on like the pats 
you know, I remember, I feel like Randy Moss was around for a little while at the end. Like, um, I don't know. I, I think Julio, I think you probably see him again. Maybe not as a number one, but, you know, you could argue that we haven't seen that at all this year. I mean, the um, past couple of seasons, nine and eight games, if he's done now, like 17 games over the past two seasons, he's just been had lingering hamstring injuries and lower body body injuries. And he's at this point now where he's 32. So I, I don't know. It's just how much longer do you see this guy? And at some point, does he want to be the guy that's like still going and kicking despite being like this old guy, this old veteran that's not at the top of his game like we've seen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know yeah. Okay. Jags, Texans, Jags. Yeah, honest, honestly, man, I would just, I, I just have to say this. The Jags should have never been favored by six and a half points or five and a half or six. It was just, it's an, it's an way too many points for the Jags against anybody, maybe even a college team. Like, and I know urban was fired, but a coach getting fired it's not worth three points, even if it's like, even if it's like Hitler coaching your team, like it, it doesn't even matter. Um, it's not worth three points. What'd you and, say? Uh, I said like, even if Hitler was your coach, it wouldn't be <laughs> worth three points on the spread if you got rid oh. of him. It's just not worth that many points. There's no way. Um, and so, you know, oh. with that said, with that said, like, yeah, I just thought that it was a 50 50 game and the Texans got it. Obviously like they had the, they had the kick six, um, which is like going to be big for the win. I, I can't say anything about who's the better team, but it was a 50-50 game that was being treated as like a, you know, like a 75-25 game, which you can't do. I, I forget what the exact stat was, but play, that teams that coming off like their coach being fired midseason are very good against the spread. I don't have the exact figure with in front of me. But... I remember the Raiders one. Well, like the Raiders, um, like, yeah, because they got rid of Gruden, but I, I totally get it. I get it, but I don't at all i mean when you're getting that many points it seemed like a little bit too obvious and just so weird and now we have the Jags sitting at the number one pick if it all stands and my question to you is how long until or will there be someone who says the Jags should take a quarterback at the number one spot if they Uh, still hold that pick only only somebody who's trying to get clicks like realistically because there's just no way especially this year i mean if there was another you know trevor lawrence caliber guy coming out some heisman like sure maybe somebody would at least discuss it. Um, but there's no chance. I mean, again, unless somebody's looking for clicks, so somebody will say it, you know, but that's the difference. Like when I thought about like, I, I hate that the giants, even when it had, even like before it happened with Justin Herbert or Tua, it was like the giants had the fourth pick. Those guys went obviously fifth and sixth right after. And then it came out. The giants had Justin Herbert when they were doing their pre-draft evaluations in 2018, when they had, or 2019, when they took Daniel Jones, they had Justin Herbert ahead of him. So then for me, it's like, okay, if you had that guy ahead of him and you had the chance to draft him, why would you not take him if Daniel Jones hasn't shown that? And that's where I think the difference is, is like, I don't think there's anybody in this draft that you could actually, I think, make the argument you would rather have over Trevor Lawrence or that's that somebody that you would yeah. grade higher. It's true that the Giants had that chance to go over and take Herbert back then. I haven't really thought about it that much, but it's a pretty good point. I'm sure you probably thought about it a couple of times. <laughs> just, just a couple, just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the Giants love to say after the fact that they liked a quarterback, like Ben McAdoo after Patrick Mahomes got taken. He's like, I like, I we wanted I, Patrick Mahomes. I always liked that Brady guy. <laughs> yeah, even when he was like when he was there in the fifth round, I was like, I was uh, pick, if he gets there, if he's there next the second day. round, but nobody was listening. 
Okay. Bengals, Broncos, one of the better games of the, or one of the closer games of the weekend. Bengals coming out with the victory in More this playoff one. implications for sure, but better is strong. You know, 15, 10, yeah. absolute first half pump fest, zero points scored in the fourth quarter. I mean, that basically sums it all up. Um, you know, truthfully, I can't say I watched a ton of this game. I was more invested in Packers Ravens for like the game. I was really locked in on Then You know, you have red zone as well. So you get it when you get it. But um, I thought like, you know, the Bengals did start slow, like I had said was a possibility, but the problem is the Broncos didn't score points either. So, like, the whole Bengals start slow thing works is if you can go up 10-3, 14-3, 14-0, whatever. Um, but if you score three points in the first half and they score six points in the first half, you're still losing, and then this team's going to light it up more compared to you in the second half. I mean, it was still a game, but I just thought, like, the Broncos have to score. You know, you have to score a certain amount of points to win, no matter how good your defense is. So got some stats to uh, throw at you. Quarterback A, 12 for 22, 98 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. Quarterback B, 6 for 12, 88 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Which quarterback's better? Oh, my God. What is this, some some Drew Locke thing? (laughs) No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I thought at first when you were when you were listing the low numbers, I thought this was going to be a Carson thing. That's what you should have done. Carson and Mac Jones um, from their last two games. No, 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 no. Just one half of football for two two different quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no. Locke definitely came in and he did something. I mean, he didn't do much, but um, no, you know, the big highlight was uh, him getting stripped at the goal line, pretty much, and then forcing a fumble again. But then the the second fumble didn't actually. Yeah, that out. was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, but now you look at, you know, the, the Broncos absolutely needed it. The Bengals arguably needed it even more. Um, it's just another playoff game in the regular season. Unfortunately, it just wasn't that entertaining, but like, you know, a big one for the Bengals. So now you look at the Broncos, they got Vegas chargers, Kansas city. They're sitting at seven and seven. Now this, this feels like they're done. Right. I agree. Uh, and then when you look at the Bengals, now the Bengals, now leading the NF, leading the AFC North at this point, they got versus Baltimore versus Kansas City and at Cleveland. And when I look at you know the division the division odds right now for the for them, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty close honestly. Of all the divisions, I think this is the closest right now when it comes to having three different teams vying for the potential bid. You have Bengals plus one fifty, Ravens plus two twenty five, and Browns plus two fifty. And honestly, bro, the Steelers could. They're plus 800. It's not ridiculous to say. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, is that worth taking? It, it really the Steelers? Yeah. Plus 800. I was more so phrasing it as which are the top three teams, but, I mean, if you want to throw a flyer at the other at Dude, the, at the I mean, Steelers. Yeah, but let's be real. Eight and six is in first place, and the Steelers are seven, six, and one. I know there's tiebreaker stuff, but, like, come on. I mean, when they're you- fully in there. Um and, and it's not like, you know, it's not like the Ravens are that healthy. It's not like the Browns are that healthy. And it's not like the Bengals are that good, honestly, like especially after what we've seen from the past few weeks. So, and I know the Steelers aren't either, but, you know, I don't see why they couldn't. Eight to one, you know, it's going to be hard. Steelers last three are at Kansas City versus Cleveland at Baltimore. Yeah, but the Cleveland and Baltimore stuff is a good thing. Like, you know, I will say, if you at- want to take Steelers to a division, maybe you just take them against – Money line and against Baltimore, money line back to back weeks. Leave the Chiefs thing alone. Hope it works out. I mean, if they win that, then you're going to be kicking yourself for having not taken the plus 800. But 
I, I, maybe you can maybe they could even win nine seven and one. Everyone beats each other up. And, and I will be absolutely floored if they go into Kansas City and win that game because they don't have they don't have the secondary to make things difficult on the Chiefs like we saw with the Broncos do or some of these other lesser teams. And the Broncos didn't even win that game. But then they also don't have the offense to actually like they don't run the ball well. You know, but maybe they do. Honestly, maybe they do. If you catch them on the right day, you catch them in the right half of football. Like they have, they look like the worst offense ever. But then you, but then you look up and they have thirty points. Like you saw what happened against the Vikings. You saw what happened against the Ravens. They came to life a little bit. Um, against the chargers they came to life like they have playmakers when it works i'm not like oh my god how did this happen if that makes sense like i believe that they could be a good offense i guess right now the line for that game is kansas city minus 10 and i'm not i know you're not saying it's like it's gonna be a close line yeah dude honestly it's so funny because like i'm gonna be watching the chiefs in the super bowl being like yeah this is the week like they're they're still frauds like they've just been playing trash competition and I mean, the way it's been going lately, you know, they won seven straight. They look amazing. Um, and I, I still like, I still probably t- talk myself into Steelers this week. So, um, yeah. I, I, you will not see me cat. Like I will probably be teasing the chiefs down in like a 10 point tease with like it. maybe like the Cowboys. Absolutely. We'll, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Falcons, 49ers, 49ers took care of business again. I got one thing about the Falcons. When I look at across the NFL and all the teams, the Falcons are the team I'd least like to be a fan of. When you look at their future outlook, this team is so clearly not as good as their record. All of their wins are against non-playoff teams outside of the Saints, who are the Saints are only in there because the three teams below them haven't played a game. If one of those, if like the football team wins, they're ahead of them. And when I look at the in their games versus playoff teams, like the legit playoff teams, they've lost by an average of 19 and a half points. And that's even factoring in that Saints game. So it would be even worse. Honestly, man, it's a really good point. About if I was a fan of any team, I like th- that'd be a bad one. But have you considered honestly your own team, the New York Football Giants? Is like that must kind of suck. Like they're not going anywhere good. They suck. They kind of spit in their fans' faces every week with like the with like the celebration stuff that I was talking about, mm-hmm. dude. And honestly, if I'm like Falcons versus Giants, I'm weighing it up. Like at least I have Arthur Smith, who I probably like. I got Kyle Pitts, who I probably like. Patterson, solid. Matt Ryan will say probably you get a new quarterback in there. Whereas the Giants, it's like, oh, we might keep Daniel Jones and I don't like the coach and I don't like the GM. You know, honestly, I think the Giants could be worse. So this is where I push back on, you know, like these other bottom tier teams because the Giants have two first round picks. The Giants will have a top five pick. Matt Ryan is done. They don't have a good offensive line. Their defense ranks 30th in total DVOA. They don't have the top draft pick to actually bolster their whole roster. They will be probably in that 10 to 12 range. They don't have the clear cut way to get the next quarterback or bolster the talent around the roster. While with a team like the Giants, a team like the Jets, a team like the Lions, like those teams, they are positioned for the future to potentially build into that with the with the Falcons. I don't have that. And right now they're playing themselves into the spot where they will not be able to do so for this next upcoming season. And then at that point, you're just delaying the inevitable. So right now, at this moment, I would rather I'm happier being a Giants fan than being a Falcons fan. Yeah, the, the two first-round picks that are shaping up to be top five is a very, very good point. Exactly. If you're talking about just if you're talking about just the landscape of the team, I don't know. I still think because the Giants defense has a bunch of players on them. Like Kyle Pitts is the best, it would be the best offensive player on either team. And mm-hmm. but Corderell Patterson's like in his 30s. I don't care about him. He's good right now. He's you good also for have fantasy. the whole like Calvin Ridley thing where you don't know if he's gonna retire or what. Like that's kind of a disaster, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good point. All right. Well, anyway, we already talked about the Niners a little bit like, earlier, but it's just like I think 
you know, it's funny. There was a lot of Shanahan pushback during the season, but I will say he kind of does. He kind of calls a game like nobody else, honestly. Like, um, you know, the trick plays. And why does it seem like every time Debo Samuel lines up as a running back, it's going to work, even though, like, they're literally just putting a receiver in the backfield. Like, it makes you wonder why the Chiefs would never try out with Tyree Kill. Like, not a reverse, straight-up handoff. See what happens. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just a – what an interesting team. Ayuk only had one catch, but that was a big play. Um, man, what a very, just very, very interesting team. That Again, they do it a lot differently than anybody else. And when it didn't work, you know, it was it looked bad. And now they're 8-6. and six. And again, I'll reiterate, belong, in my opinion, in that top six group in the NFC. And I think they have a claim to, to be that sixth team there. And it's funny that you're going on this 180. This was the team that you were thinking was the worst team in their division. Well, I mean, let's I mean, be clear. The, the Seattle Seahawks are like, that's like, they, they haven't even played it this week. I mean, that's probably like, what, probably the compare, you know, how do I say this? Their, their total wins versus their like, you know, win loss Vegas total, like, you know, like expected win loss yeah. type thing is, is so bad. They're like a minus five probably because their total is probably 10 and a half or 11. And they knew OC, they thought it was going to be a whole thing. And you could say the, the rust finger injury, but they've been worse than even that would like allow for like reasonably explaining. Um, so, and the Niners right at the ship, right? You know, you knew one of those teams would write the ship. Yeah. And, and the Niners are just so dynamic on offense. Like you said, when you got the play caller, you got the quarterback, that's Look, he's around the 15th or 16th best quarterback probably in the NFL at this point, but he has the potential to operate that offense at a top 12 to 10 to 12 area when it comes to when he's at when he's playing well and he's playing well right now. And then when you upgrade also just the weapons around him and then you look at like, I mean, his left tackle is probably one of the best players in the NFL and Trent Williams. I think his PFF grade is a 99 which I don't think has ever been touched at all in uh, in PFF's whole grading system. So this team as a whole on offense, especially is very well-rounded and in an offensive driven league where it's about putting up enough points, they are very well equipped, whether it is Debo Samuel on the backfield, whether it is Brandon Ayuk or George Taylor receiving game or Debo Samuel in the receiving game as well. And at, they put up 31 points and it wasn't even like they were, I thought super imposing when it came to just moving up the ball up and down the field on them. No, I mean, you like, I was a little taken aback when I saw that Ayuk only had one catch. And even Kittle was the best receiver, six for 93. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I feel like he was injured for a little while. So it's good to see him back. Um, I know they have like a zillion running backs, but, you know, you want to see one of the better guys getting touches at the end of the day. Um, I don't know. It's a very solid performance, you know, pretty like mistake free. That's that's how they like it. Um, and again i think they're good you know i think they've shown it against some good teams as well unlike maybe the miami dolphins um and so you know being interested to see how their season finishes up assuming there's another game against the rams and the cardinals both maybe um so they got game game at tennessee versus houston and at the rams so no oh so they already played they're, they're owing two against the cardinals Oh, those were early season. Yeah, so um, that Rams game would be super interesting, although it might just shake out where both of them are, you know, looking at um, like wild card spots. They're just like locked into, you know, five and six. and they're just Yeah, when you look at the Rams right now, I mean, they, they still have to play Seattle. They play tomorrow night, and then they got Minnesota, Baltimore, and then San Fran. So the they, thing, could, they the could have a locked like, up. So you'd think nine wins gets in the playoffs. So you beat the Texans in your end. But then honestly, like um, – you know, you could beat the Titans as well. Um, the problem is with Arizona having 10 and two wins over you, I just don't see the division happening. I mean, like, 
you'd have to win out in Arizona would have to lose out 11 and six, 10 and seven. I just don't see it. They're right now. San Fran's minus three and a half for Thursday night against Tennessee, but it's in Tennessee. So that makes me a little, a little hesitant. Okay. That's pretty fair. Packers Ravens. This was, this was interesting. I was not expecting this one to be as close as it was. was, my, my My teaser with the Packers. Got cooked, it, it right? Pushed. It seven pushed. Points? No, it pushed. It pushed. I, I, I think it was a te- no. It was a seven one, but I got it early in the week. I got it when it, I got it was at like seven. Oh no, okay. eight, 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 and yeah, oh no, seven, eight, and I got it, it down to six. Seven got it down to six. Like t- seven and a six point tease. That's what I meant. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, like I had said it, but only semi seriously this past week when we were talking about how they, you know, had how they backdoored against Cleveland. Dude, I think Huntley is so good, honestly. Like, you know, a lot of times these backups come in and, like, yeah, they're good for a couple weeks. And so he's definitely in that camp, right? You know, is he like a – he could be like a Kyle Allen or a Heineke or like a Matt Flynn or like, you know, one of these guys that just comes in for a couple games and lights it up. But, dude, I love what I'm seeing from this guy. He's very mobile, right? The touchdown runs are great. We saw that crazy run he had last week. He throws dimes. I think Mark Andrews has been criminally underrated. Now that I see what he's been doing with Holly, I'm serious. Like he's everywhere. I feel like Holly, you know, that second touchdown or third touchdown, second touchdown, I guess was an amazing catch, or maybe that was the first touchdown, you know, the sliding one in the end zone. I think it was the second. I Um, remember. Absolutely amazing catch. And then I I, dude, I think Holly is so good. I really do. If I was a team needed a QB, I would definitely be trying to get this guy. I'm not saying the Ravens are going to stick with him. I doubt it, but like, I, I think he throws dimes and he's fast. That'd be a shocker if they're like, Lamar, we're not going to pay you. We got Brett Huntley. We're riding with him. But no, like Mark Andrews, I uh, want to go to him because I remember we spoke about, you know, is Kyle Pitts the fourth best tight end in the NFL from like, and we talked about, you know, maybe from a receiving aspect, but Mark Andrews has been a guy that's been doing it for a couple of years now. And we see now, even without Lamar Jackson throwing him the ball, he's still able to put up monster numbers. He's, he's literally, he's literally better without Lamar. Like, let's be honest. Um, also, I'm assuming we were talking about third best, right? Because I know Ertz was in that top three for a while. But no, no, um, no. It was a uh, Waller, oh, Kelsey, Gronk in that, Gronk no, in that Waller, top three. Waller, Kelsey, and Kittle. I forgot about Waller, honestly, dude. I think I think Mark might be better than Waller after what I'm seeing when he plays with Huntley, dude. I was saying that you know this kind of dates back to the Hollywood Brown arguments we used to have, like. Mark Andrews is also probably underutilized in the Ravens offense, realistically. Well, I don't know if that's more so just like because you know your offense with Lamar is better when it's predicated through the run. So, yes, they won't be throwing the ball as much as a, a Chiefs or a Rams team or a Bucks team. So, yes, maybe the looks might, be, might not be there, but he also probably gets open more in single coverage because everybody's so predicated or so focused on what's going on in the backfield. Yeah, that's true. And that on that two-point conversion, they just, like, basically tripled him. And, honestly, Hollywood was open from what I saw in the replay of the two-point So maybe Brett Hundley sucks. <laughs> Dude, his name is Tyler for the record. Tyler? Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't so, know what I'm thinking of. Brett. Oh, I'm thinking of Brett Hunt. Like, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Tyler. But, um, yeah. yeah, it shows how much you know. But, uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm a big fan of the guy. Um, I don't know. You know, we actually talked about the Ravens going for two a couple of weeks ago, right, when, in the Steelers game. And I said then I didn't like it because I have this whole thing about, like, when you're the worst team, you should go for it because then it's, like, your probability of winning after the fact based off, like, you know, mm-hmm. your like sort of team ratings, not your here's a record of every game that's ever happened. Um, and so I, I thought I thought I actually liked it this time around now. And we talked we, we were texting about this with the Chargers a little bit, too. 
it's not just about the decision to go for it. It's also about like the play call. So I thought for, you know, for some of the Chargers play calls, they were bad. Um, and then I thought for this two point conversion, like, do you have to roll out right away? And everyone in the building knows you're throwing to Mark Andrews. Like all they had to do was throw the second guy at Andrews and the play was just dead. So I think even though I supported the decision to go for it, you know, supporting the decision and the play call can often be like very different things. Yeah. If you just don't like it because of the result, you're a results over process guy. And the process guy is what is how I think you need to look at these things, because that's really going to lead you to having the best possible outcome when it comes to your team actually winning these games. If you focus on the process of it, how you come to that conclusion, as opposed to just the result of it. But I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of those planned rollouts. I think it takes away half the field. It forces, it shrinks where you're able to go with the ball. And then it allows the defense, you know, to key in on one side of the field and, you know, minimize the amount of actual room they need to cover. Think about, think about how Huntley scored that touchdown, right? It was a broken play scramble. There's no time for a broken play scramble and a planned rollout. And even like Hollywood Brown, who again was doing a slant from the left side, was open in like the middle-ish area of the of the end zone. Clearly, he was only looking at Andrews. Um, and you know, it's tough because going back to what you said about the process thing, it's like like I, I was thinking about the Pats field goal from Saturday night, right on the on the fourth and goal from the seven to make it what was it? Um, it was to make it a ten point game from a thirteen point game. I actually thought that that ended up working out for them, to be honest. And I, and I thought that, I thought that, you know, even if the analytics won't agree with it, I thought that there were a lot of factors that aren't baked into those analytics that actually made it a good decision because like, you know, the cha- like the probability of any given team against any given defense converting it is one thing, but the probability of like Mac Jones converting it against this Colts defense is lower than that. And then also you knew that the Colts were unable to move the ball in the entirety of the second half. So that was playing in your favor and you had more time to, you know, make it a 10 and then you'd only need a score and a touchdown. I thought that process was actually nearly rewarded and the, and the Pats really should have had the ball back with about a minute to go one, to, one or no timeouts only needing a field goal to tie. Um, so I thought, you know, in that situation, I actually liked kicking it. Uh, the reason I'm against is a on third down, you could set it up by running the ball and getting yourself closer as opposed to just leaving yourself at the seven yard line and being like, okay, we have to kick it now. But it's also about, you're not taking it. You're not taking it from a two position game to a one position game. You're leaving yourself there and you don't bury like, this is what I was saying. Why I had an issue with Brandon Staley going for it at the end of the first half against the chiefs on Thursday night, because he was like the, one of the main benefits is, you pin them on their own end line. You pin Slowly. them on their goal line. And that's where you then reset it for them. And then when you look at it, they come back down and it just leaves them in a more advantageous position to move the ball. And you're only getting three well, points you know, You're I, not bringing it down from a two-possession game to a one-possession game. Well, yeah, well, you know, honestly, where that happened was in the Ravens game as well. The Ravens, like, early in the game went for it on fourth down. I didn't like it. But then they didn't get it. Um, and then they – Packers three and out plus there was the you know the hit on the punt which by the way you don't see that often like you'll see the punt returners get hit but you don't see them get laid out no ball very often which yeah. I thought was like funny you just you really don't see it that often um I, I and, you couldn't uh, you I don't know how much you would need to pay me to take to field punts in the NFL dude like it's so funny because you have to be conditioned to not flinch obviously because like they're gonna you know run up close to you so then therefore you're just like totally unexpected just going to get absolutely drilled he didn't even get that hard and he still kind of went flying um but uh 
anyway, you know, that ended up, that was a time where you're right. Like, you know, unlike the Staley uh, end of the first half thing was like, they got it back on the 50 and then they ended up scoring right after it. So at, by the end of the whole, like not go for it, punt, score a touchdown and it ended up kind of being worth it. Yeah. That's where it's like when my team, when somebody does against my team, I'm like, okay, let's just reset this. Like, like they're going to score it some, or just like get it, get them in a force them into a field goal so we can reset this. Cause if they keep punting and pinning us back, it was the same thing in the Penn state, Iowa game, like Penn state, right. they couldn't move the ball at all with take Roberson and consistently they would give the ball back to Iowa and the defense would come up and stop them. But at some point it was just going to be at some point, their offense that was starting at the 40 or their, or the 50, was going to score at some point. And it just became a point of they were wasting too much clock. And Penn State was just constantly backed up in their own 10 yard line. And by the time that Iowa actually scored, they took the lead and there wasn't enough time for Penn State to actually come out with the victory. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get so used to watching the Chiefs and the Bucks and Packers and whoever else, you kind of forget about like the value of a good field position battle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Saints, Bucks, Saints, nine to zero. I forget. Oh, this has to be like the first time in a while that there was a nine to zero game in the NFL and even, sh- even longer maybe than that. We've seen Tom Brady get shut out in an NFL game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go full blame on the bucks because their defense stepped up, played well. And then offensively we saw t- uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans out uh, during the middle of the game. So you're lo- stuck with Rob Gronkowski and, and we also, they also lost Leonard Fournette, but they're stuck with Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Johnson, Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones really to, you know, manufacture some offense there. So the fact that they didn't put up, I mean, the fact that they put up zero points is a little surprising, but the fact is the Saints defense is still really good. And, you know, it's not like a, it's not like they're going up against a Texans defense putting up zero points, given the fact that they have their backups. It's, you know, a very solid defense. So I don't take that much away from the Bucks. For the Saints, it's a solid win. It still does, like their defense was good. I thought about this beforehand, but their offense is still not great. And that's why even if you give me a game against uh, the Dolphins who also aren't great, I'd still take them because I think, I think dynamic, I think offensively they're more dynamic with Tua than Taysom Hill is because Taysom Hill doesn't offer really anything as a passer. I mean, we saw a couple like that pick that Adams almost had a pick there on the possession that they went up nine, nothing that, that should have been picked. And that was like one of the only times that we saw Taysom Hill really throw the ball down the field. Yeah, is this just a is this just like a Brady can't play against the Saints thing? Because I don't know, it's just he's been terrible against them. And honestly, like even when you think back to that playoff game last year, again, like if Jared Cook doesn't fumble that, Saints probably win that game. Um, which goes to show how quickly things can change in the NFL. But I, I, I if I'm a Bucks guy, I'm really not freaking out, but it is weird that I can't seem to get it done against the Saints. I mean, it'd be a nightmare scenario if they ended up facing off in like a 2-7 first round matchup. Um, so hopefully they can avoid that for the Bucs. And obviously you lose Godwin for the season, which is kind of a disaster. Look, granted, Antonio Brown could fill in and do 80 to 90% of that, but like still kind of a disaster. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that we thought of as like shoot uh, really deep at the wide receiver position and now it's starting to get thin and thin. Yeah, they're still very they're still above they're average. Still but now so, when you take out so Chris Godwin there. Yeah, you don't even talk about like Paraman or like that other guy whose name I don't remember. Tyler like Johnson. AP. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, they're still so deep. And even tight end, it's like great. I, I, I think they still have OJ Howard as yep. well. I mean, like, you know, they're built to withstand an injury like this. Mm-hmm. So with the the Saints stuff of it. We, we know, I mean, with the Giants teams, I know very, very vividly the fact is that they were able to generate pressure with four guys, and the Saints team is able to do the same thing. And this Bucks offensive line, which 
is pretty good. It's like one of the top team, one of the top units in the NFL. The fact is that the secondary and the back end forces Brady to hold the ball longer and this front four is able to generate pressure. So I think that's where you get the mix, the, the marriage there that causes a lot of issues for Brady when it comes to actually finding success against the, the, the saints defense as a whole. Yeah. I think, um, again, somebody has to make the playoffs. Somebody has to make that seven spot. I think Minnesota slips up tonight, to be honest, against the bears. Um, Maybe it'll be the Eagles. Maybe it'll be the Saints. Like again, somebody's going to make that spot. I think the Bucks would like to, would be wise to you know hope to avoid the Saints just because it seems to be bad for them. So then they'll be they'll be big football team fans because I'm not sure what the deal is with Philly. Did Philly play New Orleans this year? Um, um, yeah, they, they did, won. and Philly won. So I mean, either one of those teams I think takes over for the Saints after this game if they like whoever wins that football team Saint uh, football team uh, Eagles game. So I mean. We'll, we'll see what happens there, but then you look I think, at uh, I think if the Vikings win, they'll be in the seventh spot. I mean, that depends on who wins between the football team and the Eagles. No, nah, because I saw this – well, maybe you're right. I don't know. I saw this, like, Eagles tweet that was, like, the only way for the Eagles to be in the spot was if the Vikings lost and the Eagles won. So I don't know about the football team Vikings thing, but I know that the Eagles would need the Vikings to lose. Yeah, right now, because I believe the, the next tiebreaker outside of record is conference wins, and football team has one more conference win than, than the Vikings. And if they get another one, they'd obviously have one more still. So that, that yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a difference. Yeah. Right now, the Eagles are tied with the Vikings, and then it goes to some other things. I, I forget. Which they, apparently they don't have. Yeah, exactly. So Per the tweet. And then if you look at the, the Saints, last thing we'll touch on before we end the pod, the Saints, three more three more games. They go versus Miami, versus Carolina, at Atlanta. I mean, it's shaping up very nicely for them to at least go 2-1 and one in that stretch. And – you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if they're three and zero after it. And then, then if you're a Bucks fan, you're a little bit, you're shaking a little bit. And even if I'm a team like, like the Cardinals, like this is a team that I think is built very well to trip up a team like the Cardinals. You know, it's it's funny. You said you said they become football team fans, but remember the football team beat the Bucks too. True. So with the gamer, maybe they don't even, they don't even want that smoke. I mean, dude, and honestly, yo, the Falcons. Lions, Saints, Bills. I mean, the Bills ones. Wait, did kind you of say Lions? Yeah, oh, Falcons. are you looking at the Falcons schedule? I thought you were like like naming teams like as well no, as the Falcons. No, no, no. I'm looking at I'm looking at the Lions schedule, or sorry, the Falcons schedule rather to see if they could go nine and eight. But you'd have to win in Buffalo. I don't really see that happening. No, no. I think they're cooked at this point. Every win that they get is just taking them further away from uh from figuring out or getting a better draft position at this point. Yeah. I think the Saints, you got a good chance actually right now of actually making the playoffs. We'll, we'll see how uh, it all shakes out. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Thursday to, you know, preview the week 16, right? Yeah, week 16 of the NFL season. Yeah, maybe maybe top 10 quarterback list, top 15. Yeah, I think I think we I think top 10 is too quick. If we're going to do it, we're going to do top 15 or 16. I, I think like it's got to be. I think it's got to be. We'll, we'll, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you on Thursday. So thank you, guys. Yep. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on Thursday.